Welcome to the show all. I'm your host. Once again, we've revisited so many of the same movies and TV shows, so it's like we might as well talk about the frightening scenes, the gory scenes, the fight scenes, the other highlights, and then the best moments. But when that's all said and done, one thing we love redoing is talking about the villains. Because the villains is part of every story, and you know we've done it with plenty of other movies and shows. We did one with Lord of the Rings as the first part, and I just figured, hey, we invite Adam from the Virtual Seasons website, where people basically—it's more than fan fiction. Basically, people estimate what you know on filmed material would have probably been the next season had the show continued on the airwaves and. Adam has contributed ones for what he thinks season 12 of X-Files would have looked like. So welcome to the show. Well, th- thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah, that was that was sort of the idea behind the virtual season 12 was to do um, it in like, you know, TV, uh, screenplay format, teleplay format to, you know, something a little bit different than normal fan fiction, which is just like prose. And then to do, you know, what our best job of, of what we uh, would, would think what like a season know. 12 would look like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> inevitably it ends up becoming hey you know if five different fans have talked about this then it's just gotta happen (laughs) (laughs) right yeah i mean it all just sort of came together uh so shortly after the um the last real season of the show um just me and some other fans we found each other and uh we're still great friends now so like friendships were forged from that um experience as well but we uh wasn't uh, yeah wasn't we actually we all visited get... the um the x-files museum last year that opened up i don't know if oh, you've, you've that seen located? that <laughs> it's in uh saratoga springs new york and yeah and they actually had um there's a couple of fans that they've been collecting props and stuff from the show for a long time and they opened up their own public museum you can go like any day of the week and they had chris carter came on the the opening and oh, um man. so we got to we got to meet him and watch the pilot episode of the show together i mean it was it was definitely a fantastic experience so i um they're having another fan event in the summer i think june 7th 8th i want to say i may have the dates wrong but you can look it up um but um yeah they're gonna have another fan event where they're they're gonna have some they're, they're still announcing guests but they're gonna have some actors from the show um uh and then uh there's also a minneapolis convention coming up later in the year since it's the 30th anniversary in september uh it's been 30 years since the show premiered so um and i was there i watched it with my mom when i was like eight years old so you're i've been a fan for for almost 30 years now so i hear you (laughs) this is uh i am i am game anytime to talk about the x-files so thanks again for having me on yeah, absolutely. We we did one with uh, the fan retrospect uh, duo where they talked about, you know, the best moments and it was tough to pick a good moment. You know, oh, yeah, the, that the, was... the team is great. Um, yeah, they, they have a really great uh, project <laughs> I, that they've done. The, the, and, they picked um... a lot of hysterical moments. I picked the submarine mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> it's a fan yeah. favorite. Uh, we had some other pals who just remembered just some other creepy moments featuring the great cigarette smoking man. And so it was just fun how... Again, you know, if we're going to talk about a movie or show instead of just, you know, not everyone can make every chat. So whatever way I can retcon the chat and it's still kind of a fun highlight and people yeah. are going to tune in because they're like, oh, see, you know, you're you're talking about just moments, but you're also detailing what kind of moments and everything. And um, yeah, no, this this one is kind of one of those few shows that just about everybody has seen, even people who were keen on it you know have seen it <laughs> right yeah a lot of people will be like oh yeah that's the one with the mom under the bed and you know like you know people who, who <laughs> don't know anything else about the show but they'll know like that episode you know 
I think that episode's like the most universally known among people who like don't otherwise know anything about the X Files, but they know oh, like, totally. that or maybe Tombs. You know, they know something about like the liver eating guy. You know, maybe Fluke Man. But I think those are the those are the ones that you know seeped into um, you know very like casual viewership as well. So or, or like right or um, so no, I think villains is an interesting because you know a lot of uh pocket you know talk about top episodes or like you know um you know what, what got you into the show that sort of thing and i think those it's it's a it's a, a lesser it's a of topic yeah. yeah i know people who watch it only for the comedy and pe- others watch it for the monster of the week and others watch it for the serialized episodes the rest doesn't matter and so and there's others who like it all but i much like kind of every other like Dick Wolf or Steven Bochco production. It is hysterical seeing when Chris Carter, you know, develops Lone Gunman and Sister Show Millennium and hmm, seeing right. which actors he reuses. You know, yeah, it, it, it is. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Millennium fan as well. And I, I'm hoping one of these days we get a streaming or a Blu-ray release for that. It really deserves it. I think it's possible because on another note for other Vancouver productions, uh, we're finally, you know, I've been... I've been speaking to the Blood of Kings uh, podcasters and they're, which talks about everything Highlander and they're supervising people at VEI who are finally getting that damn Blu-ray remaster to come out for the entire show on cut and everything. And I, I think it is very possible that Millennium may very well join that. I I mean, and oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. I don't know what stopped people. I could have sworn maybe it was on one streaming site at one time or another, but all you can really find is just certain episodes on YouTube and everything. And I, I would like to think that, you know, Hulu being owned by Fox could definitely. Have it it, on it seems odd because if you go back and look at the ratings, like the ratings, like, it, you know, during the 90s, the ratings weren't, you know, that weren't that great. They were sort of mid tier show. But if you look at that compared to like viewership of TV shows now, like the Millennium is watched by way more people than shows that are considered very popular now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a. Uh, and then plus you you've had you know that show was so ahead of its time because you have shows that came out after like Mindhunter and Hannibal and right. um, uh, Criminal Minds and Minds uh, is you know all so these inspired. things that, right <laughs> and um so they owe a lot to um you know sometimes admittedly they owe uh you know owe a lot to that so it does seem like and I know Chris Carter is talking about um you know trying to reboot that as well too so we'll uh, we'll see. You know, maybe something will happen with Millennium too. Uh, totally. I, I was speaking with some of the other guys when we did the giant, uh, ginormous chat, and it was so hysterical. <laughs> yeah, I listened to that one. That was a, a oh, good okay, discussion nice. of all the shows. Yeah. Hopefully, we gave it its worth. But it was funny how, yeah, just the writers have various viewpoints, and it's like they're they're just so close. <laughs> it's just sometimes. Well, I think that um. You know, the X Files was one of the first shows that I think people took notice of of who the writers were, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of big writers came from obviously Chris Carter, the creator, but obviously Vince Gilligan, who went on to do Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which are amazing, and Howard Gordon. Um, uh, you know, did Twenty Four and Homeland. He has a new show. Yeah, Hughes. Chip Johansson. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. the yeah, Glenn, on Glenn Morgan yeah. and James Wong. Um, you know, all these uh people mm-hmm. that came from, and like people would notice and have like their own personal favorites or like i like the darren morgan episodes the best or i like vince villains vince gilligan's episodes the best you know so i think 
way more than other TV shows people noticed who, you know, maybe maybe some people did with Star Trek a bit. Like, I think Star Trek was a little like, oh, this episode is going to suck because whoever wrote it. But <laughs> um, uh, but I think uh, with the X-Files, it, it, you know, all those, um, you know, all those main writers went on to do. Um, they were pretty uh, much great... all part of that same family. Yeah. If they weren't on that. Then they were going over to Buffy. And then it was so funny how David Fury was kind of part of their collective as well and then he was on lost for a season then he jumped ship too to do other stuff that they they all kind of right if anything it created their independence it created their awareness of just being part of a collective but it is also one of those you know unless you, you kind of wish they'd talk about it more often you're just like yeah dude i want to know about more of your stories when you first got into that you know i already know about what you've done since you know <laughs> yeah uh and like you say home uh it's so hysterical, though, what stuff it's kind of crossed over with. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, even though the picket fences crossover never happened, I mean, since that's part of Chicago Hope, they did kind of reference it a lot on there, including having. Yeah, a, uh, yeah, that would have been interesting to have that. And I do. Um, yeah, that episode uh, that resulted from that Red Museum is is uh, one of it's a personal favorite of mine. I think that's a really underrated episode. Um, but yeah, I would have been There's interested so if that had been a full fledged. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, everybody talks about sort of these sort of top twenty five or thirty that are very similar. But I mean, you're it shows two hundred and eighteen episodes, and if I didn't love, you know most of them i wouldn't love the show you know like i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't love the show as much as i did if i didn't you know um you know enjoy most of those episodes i wouldn't i wouldn't rewatch it you know as much so um really? you know the, it's definitely worth talking about episodes that um that don't get as much attention um because mm -hmm. you know it tends to be big mythology episodes a lot of the big comedy episodes and and as i said episodes like home that were sort of infamous get a lot of attention but like you know i think everyone yeah. hates on the super soldiers but it's so funny now kind of like with new star jack i'm seeing a lot of people hate on like the last two x-fall seasons and i get it yeah i don't like it or you don't like it but uh, well, that's how all fandoms it. are they're like just like how Reject um, all the, the star stuff. wars fan all the star wars fans were like they hated the prequels but then when the, the sequel trilogy came out now they like the prequels you know now they're you know, yeah. like, oh, the prequels were real Star Wars, not like these stupid movies. I'm now, totally you know? doing that with the it, non all fandoms seasons. are the same. All all fandoms have these same the same tropes that come repeat. up. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing people. So, absolutely, I remember people bashing the Super Soldiers, and I was kind of the same deal. I was like, well, not the great greatest effects, but still kind of interesting <laughs> and <laughs> and right. Dogged and uh, Rays have kind of become. Uh, fan favorites so it's just interesting how those two fed agents they were kind of again just people just wanted to compare even though they weren't even written at all like yeah or no i was i was a big fan of um especially doggett but both doggett and rance i think robert patrick and Annabeth gish they got so unfairly maligned during those last two seasons by fans who you know just couldn't accept anybody new but i do think in recent years um they have uh because i i think they the actors i'm talking about i think they they didn't think anybody liked them i think in recent years when we've had these like fan conventions that have popped up they've gone to them and, and they've seen that they do have fans out there and i think that's that's nice that they've they've seen that um there actually were you know uh, uh, you know the the internet you know whatever you're talking about whether it's culture or politics or whatever the loudest voices in the room always dominate so mm -hmm. whoever's trashing something, whoever is, you know, like the worst whoever people, does a those are the people who contest. stick out and those don't necessarily <laughs> match up with, 
you know, the majority of fans. I mean, you know, uh, so uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it was nice. It's nice for them to have gotten some uh, renewed. And as you said, you know, uh, cause of people have had problems with the revival, they've gone back and, and been like, Oh yeah. Seasons eight and nine weren't, weren't that bad. We, we really like those now. So you, you, you do have some of that effect as, as well. Season, season eight is, I think a, a really good season season nine. I still, you know, I still think I would probably rate it probably towards the bottom, but um, I do think it has, I do think it has some, some episodes, especially some of the standalone episodes like um, 4d or John Doe hellbound, Audrey Polly improbable release. Um, they're all, they, those, those are some those are some really good episodes and it's like if if those that had Mulder and scully some of those would be considered classics i think so you know it's just people weren't paying attention as much because of um you know david had left the show and also 9 11 happened people weren't really feeling the x-files anymore that's what i noticed with every good show yeah. like and i don't even know how people got any kind of ratings going because it just seemed like just about every other show just wasn't being watched as much yeah yeah i mean yeah that's probably a fair point i mean i think people they kept were, it on but they yeah. just want to know it because they're just constantly you know showing on tv and i was always on just kind of like that's where i saw it with uh just any show really just so many cab- cable networks were just re-airing you know the network shows <laughs> and right it's yeah. funnier because then you realize how more violent it was than it you you were actually used to because you know unless you you know stayed up late you didn't really realize oh yeah this is still pretty edgy tv <laughs> yeah i think uh i think um seasons eight and nine were the first to have viewer discretion advice warnings since that home episode because mm-hmm. after after the home episode the censors really you know uh they um bit down on the writers and they they kind of you know i wouldn't say neutered the show but they they said yeah you can't do stuff like that anymore but i think i, those, la- I think in those years later i think in those later uh <laughs> i think in those later seasons when those people were paying attention again i think they got away with maybe a little bit more maybe that's why it returned to some of its darker roots so um so yeah that's an interesting it's so interesting weird point. it's like they want them to do it and then at the same time they don't want them to do it <laughs> they, like, yeah 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 the what the hypocrisy of censors is is i think renowned but you know uh, yeah it's like they're either afraid that someone will watch it or that are bullshit it's i mean kind of the same with these other procedurals it seemed like csi was the only one that people bitched about briefly but everyone was watching it so they just stopped complaining <laughs> right yeah if it's if it's a big enough hit there i've never gonna, heard anyone complain yeah. about criminal minds that's the weird thing. So I guess it was just that late right. up the night. And again, like you say, kind of an X-Files kind of crowd. Yeah. And I don't know it. how, I don't know how Hannibal was on NBC. Like that show was Same so beyond to what I, I saw uh, people. I was and they somehow channels, but I think they, they used the sort of X-Files tricks and like, they somehow got away with the horror because of like the, the artistic nature of it. And like the cinematography and like tricks that they it used wasn't from X-Files and Millennium. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 really got away with it but yeah that was that was a great show i i I do miss that show as well so i guess because that show is popular enough you know it's already based off a pre-existing you know set of books and a movie that various movie versions to where it it had enough to just kind of already find its uh you know feet but like you say it it is just like it's never consistent when uh, criticism goes down but um 
and half the time people just want to complain for the sake of complaining but i, I do no, like sure. yeah <laughs> as, another, as another note it is interesting how both Colonel lines and x-files will kind of take something that you could have sworn could have back in the day probably been a 70s you know drive-in scary feature or 80s slasher yeah. and they'll do something more with it uh there's one episode i don't recall which one i'm actually going through it again because why not but it's uh there's like a sheriff who's like the head of a, like a cannibal clan i think it's a later episode i'll name it now i got the villains wicca was a good help <laughs> when researching um and i think it's uh sheriff aarons who is from uh the episode of our town <laughs> Okay, that's uh, yeah, season two, yeah, yeah, see, uh, more obscure one, but it was interesting how they kind of just they already went there, it was so early in the run. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I mean, and you know, Fluke again, you're talking about 218 yeah. episodes that there's <laughs> uh, so many topics uh, broached on, you know, and uh, and I mean, just that's the great very the show, image yeah. of Fluke Man just has that you know just, what is that thing you know this band yeah if we're if we're talking about purest monsters like for me the fluke man is the the most iconic i mean he's the he's the top but People i would say like i don't really consider fluke man a villain though because he's just sort of living his biology you know i can't really blame <laughs> him for what he's doing he's not he doesn't really have any kind of moral calculus to what he's doing um so i think some of the monsters are more like that whereas to me like the villains are more of the human that have powers or they do like have the time but, kind of yeah. go for a universal monster appeal where it's like hey i'm or godzilla approach is like hey i'm not trying to kill you you're just you're just in my turf get out <laughs> yeah that's yeah so as i said i think pure monster you know fluke, but i mean you know you know, I kind of feel sorry for fluke man i mean he didn't you know he didn't ask to be created in a, a nuclear ooze or, or something so you know he's he's uh he's got to go but you know he's he's not um what i would i wouldn't i don't think he's evil you know he's just an animal right. fair enough <laughs> uh what do you think of donald faster yeah that's that, i mean that's one of my top uh villains like you said and i know i know in the in the sequel episode orison which i don't like I, I actually don't like it because it suggests that he is an actual demon and i think that takes away from the original episode irresistible where he's he's meant to just be a serial killer like that was the whole point of that episode was that he's this is this is not a monster this is well, i mean he is a monster he's barely human but he is he is still a man who is this evil um without you know any kind of supernatural aspect and and of and course that's where, Car that's where carter be... got the idea of for millennium to do more of those type of stories but yeah irresistible is absolutely one of my top favorites and donald i yeah you know, he's played played to perfection by nick chinlin he's he's perfect actor for that and uh, in... you know just about every other actor has been on the show at one point or another uh brad Dourif was both villainous on x-files and on millennium uh tobin bell was on yes. one where he was like getting like roaches i think to kill people or some shit like that <laughs> yeah i mean years um... before saw but um yeah chinlin was the perfect pick but i i do agree i i think i just am very even in lesser x-files episode i generally still like but i do seem to recall that he did kind of uh, when they revisited the character it just seemed like it had been too long so the actors weren't just as fresh oh that's right <laughs> the character we fought like three seasons ago <laughs> yeah i agree with you it, it wasn't um you know that's i don't think uh, they even had the same filmmakers or writers so then it was like yeah okay. oh. 
<laughs> yeah, they, the 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 sequels. Also, the sequel to Pusher is not very good as well. The uh, is that the Kitsunagari. one with tombs? Uh, the one with no, the one with uh, I was gonna say, Tombs is is a, is a pretty is a really good sequel. I actually like that more than Squeeze the first. And what's funny with... is when you type in Pusher, is the first thing that comes up. The episode, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Pusher is great. I mean, Pusher is also one of the the best villains. I mean, because he oh, also yeah. is he's also he's a he's a he's a man. He has obviously has special powers, but I mean, he's he's a sociopath. He's he's doing this because he likes you know controlling. He gets off on the the power trip and and i remember um, this now yeah you know some people have pointed out that um you know Mulder says something about him that you know he's he's a little man that that wants to feel big and people pointed out you know vince gilligan wrote that episode people pointed out that that's sort of what walter white is you know that's sort of some of the other characters that vince gilligan created oh yeah right from breaking bad is that he's 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 a little man he's a very diminished man who wants and when you get to feel big by that point basically Gilligan's trying out all his comedy that he later does on uh what's that one procedural he did that was a comedy show Dean Winters and Josh Hamill Battle Creek and so it's just so funny how right yeah yeah I think that was based on he didn't run that show but it was yeah it was based on a script he he wrote because because Vince Gilligan he wanted to be a movie writer he had all these sort of movie scripts and he just sort of happened to get in x-files and end up yeah, ended up having a, a TV career instead, but um, right. Yeah, and he does have some movie movie credits. Well, dude, to be fair, he took a good chunk of those same writers who had written again for X Files and Star Trek Enterprise and other B movies, and he just brought them along with him. He's like, "You're coming with me." And one of those yeah. uh, lead writers who was like the production assistant uh, on, uh, I should say her name. She has a name for people, but yeah. Uh, she was uh, like, Jennifer Hutchison. Is that who you're talking about? Yes, actually. Yeah. And now she's one of the head writers on Re- Lord of the Rings Rings of Power. But yeah, right. She's yeah. Like yeah. A production she's, assistant yeah. on Saul mm-hmm. and X Files. <laughs> it's just, it's mm-hmm. just that these people who you don't know their names unless you're, again, you just got too much free time and you're on IMDb. Oh, right. If you're like, if you're like me, yeah. You know, you know all the but background it's just so people. cool but... how is like they they keep just coming around and you're just like wow yeah they're they're they they deserve to be working in here because this is their day job and they 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 don't just love what they do they are also just so calculated and uh organized (laughs) yeah i mean well those are the people who should be running shows or people who have that kind of experience and background you know Uh, oh yeah there's plenty of people who uh, don't grow as writers and you're just like hey nothing personally but i don't think you deserve your position and other times right. like maybe they did do a good job or a decent job but the execution wasn't great or i don't know <laughs> uh yeah totally what do you what do you think of this is a later episode i, I know this is again from season nine <laughs> what do you think of the lord of the flies main villain uh, you know, I did watch that episode not too long. It's not one of my favorites, you know. It's um, although I call it being kind of like a Mustard Criminal Minds episode. Yeah, I like. Lame, I mean, I like was... that. Um, you know, I like Aaron Paul's in it. I mean, it's it, he actually got Even Jane um, Lynch is in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jane Lynch is in it. I mean, she's you know she's good. Um, and and well, I mean, Tom Schnoss who wrote it, he he went on to be like a, a really great writer for, for breaking bad and better call Saul, like we're talking about, like, so mm-hmm. he, like a lot of these people, you know, they started, started there. And then, you know, some of them went on to, to really be uh, much better writers and, and other things. Um, like John Scheiben is known for not being, you know, 
kind of hit and miss writer i would say on the, yeah. on the x-files but you know he wrote some of the worst episodes, but he also, he also wrote some good ones <laughs> yeah uh people should recognize that um but um oh he's done some good he, solo episodes but he's too. like he got an emmy nomination for writing ozark i mean so he's gone on to do uh oh and that's just it too i saw even these movies he did that were kind of grindhouse kind of intentional and they had a cool idea but they just had the worst execution ever and it was one yeah, of those yeah where it's like i'm sure there was a good idea and i'm sure he did his job but yeah, somehow i think, it was just... I think the x-files you know it was it was a hard show to write for i mean i think you know and and, and uh some people sort of got it and some people didn't you know there was a really revolving door of of staff writers throughout the years but other than i mean i mean outside of those main you know writers that that uh worked many seasons there were a lot of writers that came in and did like one episode or like two episodes maybe and then first season and then they they were gone because they just didn't work out so you know i think it, it had a the x-files has like a very particular um you know i, I mean it's interesting because it has a very particular voice but also the other thing that's great about the show is that you had you know these different people come in and could put their stamp on it like vince gilligan has very particular type of episodes that he does and darren morgan obviously has these specific comedy episodes that he does (laughs) yeah so i mean that's why they all love working for chris carter so much because he really let them go and do what they wanted as long as it you know fit a certain pattern yeah i mean uh uh-huh so so many other great shows he's worked on have not seen more than one season you're like why <laughs> yeah he's yeah you know, him and, and i mean England morgan too they they not kinda, this shit on chris uh, carter one seasons but. he kind of did take a back seat where he was just like managing people he didn't really write as many episodes as say like you know pull a dick wolf or uh uh, yeah he he never wrote like he was never somebody who wrote every episode but i mean that's that's good yeah, he knew that jay he... michael straczynski or david e. kelly would either come up with a story or write the first part of the season and then like leave it to the rest of yeah the writers but I, I mean i think that was a good thing about chris Carter's. he allowed other people to come in and do and like he he sought out good talent it and also makes me wonder why has well, he not so. been able to pitch anything else yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I mean, he you know, after Harsh Rum, which I think was, you know, it was unfairly canceled, and then um he did the after for Amazon. it was one of like the earliest Amazon shows, and like people actually voted on it to continue on. They wanted that <laughs> they actually voted to like that was the show they wanted to see more of, but there was just some disagreement between him and like Amazon wanted to show Bible and Chris Carter does not do show Bibles. Like he's anti, he does not do that or everybody knows that. So he you just uh, can't tell people to do what yeah. he's just not going to do. Yeah. So they, they parted ways on that. And then there were some other things that sort of bounced around until, um, including he, he, he did some, some sort of film called those, I guess, sort of semi-autobiographical called fence walker but it's it's not seen the light of day this was before the x-files revival so <laughs> he um he uh uh yeah and then since the revival he, yeah he you know he really came back for that but um yeah I, I don't know i mean i think he's older now and he doesn't quite have as much of the same stamina to do like tv shows you know all year round like he used to so 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if he'd even be interested in in doing it. I know we, when we went to the museum and and heard him talk, he said he's writing a he's writing a book about some some a swimmer or something. So I mean, it's something totally different than the X Files. So he might <laughs> maybe he's right. Maybe he's trying to write novels now, but I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Well, very nice. Uh, I guess I better talk about grotesque. Right. Whole episode. <laughs> it's cool if we go off on tangents it's totally no i like it i i i I, keeps it interesting oh well and i i i i did mean to see that amazon pile for the longest time that didn't get picked up i just i think they removed it from the site i think you can find it on youtube i watched it not too long ago again but um you know it's it's sort of interesting it's like i mean again you know Chris chris carter is very prescient person like he's always like it was um it was called the after and it was about like yeah, the end of the world and it and it, yeah. and it really it came out before you know uh all these end of the world shows started coming out like the walking dead and and, <laughs> and uh, now we have now we have the last yeah. of us which is a, a really good show so far i'm really liking it but um um but uh but yeah he he i think maybe he saw um that that was that was going to be on the horizon that uh the shows about the breakdown of society and, and mm-hmm. everything um but um because i think he, he he talked after like every episode was going to be like a basically a canto of dante's inferno it was he had a pretty wild idea for it but that's awesome yeah i i know like you know, like how did you not give us this show amazon but anyway <laughs> you know totally totally um but yeah, no, uh, with uh, the Gargoyle episode, it is just interesting seeing, you know, Kurt Wood Smith, and we're going to talk about him later, is how he essentially just, you know, he gets to do a duo role. He's on, sh- he's just, once again, they're back into the supernatural serial killer that uh, element, and then he's also playing a Gargoyle. It's just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, no, yeah, Grotesque, I think, is a, is a, I, again i think it's one of those underrated episodes not talked about enough that's a very that's a very good episode um it's a very creep has a very creepy vibe to it um and really gets into obsession and i think that's it, it was a really interesting exploration of how um uh people can get too obsessed with you know again it's one of these things that predate stuff that we would see later on like this exploration of like can criminal profilers get too obsessed with a serial killers and, and and start to turn away from their humanity themselves i mean how many times have we seen that sin- and you know the the x-files did something like that in mm-hmm. season three so you know so much of what we watch today you know i can think about like oh there was an x-files episode that was kind of like that you know <laughs> like, oh, totally. you know you know see something I mean, that was just so, what was just so great about watching the show was that um, it was so elastic. It, every week was something different. You know, you never knew what to expect. You know, it could have been drama, comedy, sci-fi, thriller, you know, some experimental thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. some, suddenly it's in black and white or it's in, you know, in real time, you know, something like that. Um, so that was that was one of the thrilling that's a big part of i think the show that people don't because you ask people why the show is so great people usually say it's something about like the chemistry of david duchovny and Gillian anderson which is obviously a big part of it and then obviously mm-hmm. the 90s zeitgeist of aliens and you know but i think uh, a big part of the show too was that uh week to week you really 
you know, you're watching a different movie every week. We'll return after these messages. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, <laughs> not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be in hard. terms of, in terms of, um, you know, it could be completely different subject matter, but also the production value was so high. I mean, in early '90s TV was, you know, and still a lot of TV today is just people sitting around talking. You know, it's like lawyers <laughs> sitting around talking, <laughs> doctors like sitting around talking, cops sitting around talking. But the X Files, you watch that, and there's a submarine conning tower coming up from the ice. You know, something. You know, it's just mind blowing stuff that. And you're just, you know, I guess I better this... talk about the alien bounty hunters since he's in so many episodes. Yeah, no, I think that's yeah, he's a he's a great villain. There's um, so many B movie actors on the show who's like they work really well. And it's not that they're bad actors. They just star in, you know, sometimes subpar, you know, made for TV directly. Well, right. And I mean, every every actor, I mean, 99 percent of actors, they're lucky if they find have one role that they can really do well. Or I mean, I should put it the, uh, another way that they shine their particular talents in you don't so know like what Brian Thompson yeah I mean he, he it's not that he's a bad actor but it's just based on like his physicality and everything he was he's kind of get a certain types of roles Dolph Lundgren he just yeah yeah right and so but he was perfect for the alien bounty hunter he's menacing but I mean he's he's a he's a good actor so I mean in the times when he has dialogue and stuff he's he's an engaging you know, for, I mean, I don't really think, you know, we, we probably didn't get to hear the alien bounty hunter talk enough. I think they told them too much that, no, we just want you to be silent and menacing, which I, I think is fine. But it's like, I think he only really growls when he's actually. Yeah, but <laughs> I think in him. the scenes yeah. where he, he is, um, where he has some dialogue and he's talking, I think he's an engaging actor. And, and I would have liked to have seen 
you know, mm-hmm. more of that. He kind of, you know, he kind of diminishes over the, the series where you just don't. I think his early appearances are the best, and then later on, he's just sort of there. But, um, <laughs> Crisis but no, I mean, one. he was uh, talking about a traitor, you know, and yeah, most people just talk only about, like you say, Bounty Hunter or Cigarette Man. And don't get me wrong, they they still every show. I mean, Cigarette Man killed freaking JFK. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> or did he? Or did he? But, yeah, but um, no, like, I mean, Crycheck is, of course, um, perfect. I mean, he is, uh, the you know, um, somebody that you kind of love to hate yeah Yeah. you know you love to get him you know he gets his ass kicked like all the time but he's a survivor you know he's he's somebody he's like the person who's always gonna uh you know he's like a cockroach or something like he's always gonna uh, survive it you know until Mm -hmm. you know obviously he gets he gets killed at some point but i mean uh you know he he yeah he goes through so much you know just getting beaten all the time he gets infected with the black oil you know he gets his arm cut off you know just they they put him (laughs) through the ringer but he's always you know some of the creatures played by stuntmen you remember because it's just very atmospheric just design you're just like that doesn't look cheesy at all that looks perfect you know there's reptiles oh yeah i mean there's you know and even even with the h d remaster that's done where you see a little bit more of you know like you know it's a it's not quite as dark and grainy so you know you see a little bit more i mean you know, it's still most of it still holds up you know yeah, um, the tension and everything i mean no one uh, people i notice who like to complain about just anything like i i find it amusing when i find a boom mic or an unconvincing stunt double in a shot and it's like well because you i have better eyes we can see more than than what we actually see right and or like you know when they filmed it they didn't anticipate that you'd be watching it in widescreen and widescreen at, at someday yeah so the friend you see BuzzFeed i think it's paper clip where yeah. if you look on the right you see like a crew or something there's like one scene but that's because in season two they weren't yet shooting for a widescreen they didn't start doing that till season mm-hmm. five so of course now that we're we're watching it we're seeing some things that you know um we weren't meant we weren't meant to see you know but it's before uh, digital where you could correct it you could see everything on the monitor sometimes you know you had i I don't i don't get people who hate watch stuff i don't get people who watch stuff to criticize it or to find infamous movie but yeah if you're not yeah i mean if you're then you're that's just so many that's so many people in in all kinds of fandoms not just x-files but everything else is like they exist more to be negative and i just like how if if I was negative about something, I wouldn't be a fan. I wouldn't devote my time to it. Like, why would I devote my any of my time or sense. life to do yeah. right? No, the, yeah, and those people who have ruined, yeah, exactly. Cinema sins. These other, you know, the, all these YouTube people who have ruined, you know, <laughs> TV and film for you know generation. I mean, it, it's absurd. But uh, yeah, not to get on another tangent, but I just can't imagine watching like the X Files now and to to, to I know to people who have it. really enjoyed some of the hammy acting in season one i'm like well yeah because that's just how people acted back in the day that's what they did yeah i mean that's another thing it's like you got to put yourself sort of in the time period that's something like you don't want to get away with it on some shows they let actors ham it up on like an ncis or svu episode it's like it's just they can't help themselves that's just how the style is procedural yeah i mean but that it's way different compared to say i don't know something trashy like i don't know baywatch or walker texas Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we've gotten used to this prestige TV era, so you sort of 
if you're watching older stuff, you sort of have to put yourself in the mindset and, and time frame of that and judge it by, you know, I mean, you're not going to watch something from so a many people movie. won't. And I'm like, I mean, imagine I, people watching, watching a film from the 1950s and judging it by today's standards. There's many who do sense. do that. And I don't see the point. Right, It doesn't I, make any sense. Yeah. So. I, I see people who, I mean, we were talking about TV pilots. I see people who will only treat it like a TV pilot. And it's like, I don't know. Some of these are decent as a simple 45, 90 minute, ordeal yeah and, but if you're just going to be disappointed by what could have been or how it's unfinished then you're just not going to get anywhere and it's just appreciate what does work is like yeah i would have yeah. liked to have seen this i think that like the x-files pilot absolutely still holds up and the millennium pilot is amazing i mean it's it's i think the it's pilot a great does get you in the mood it's kind of more cutesy but i i, I don't know i've introduced it to some people and they haven't given it a chance and there's others who is like okay interesting i, I think it, it's all made up for in that last five minutes where you see again you know sigman going in the back and right pulling out a capsule and it's just so unfathomable it's just like how how did this featured extra you know <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, how did they decide midway through that he was going to be the main baddie is just I, I just can't fathom him not being the main baddie because it's just and we're so used right. to it and when you just learn well that, you know and some people will you know again we're talking about people who are endlessly negative but some people will act like oh well if like this wasn't planned so you don't get any credit for this like no a great tv producer takes advantage of what he's given you don't so know if you have work. so if you're casting someone as an extra but here comes william b davis and he exudes this um gravitas that uh makes you expand that role you're you know it, it's the eye of a tv producer to see that and take it it doesn't mm-hmm. say anything against you know, just because it wasn't all planned, you know, uh, th- there's just this idea out there that like everything must be planned. And if it wasn't planned, then it's not good. And like, no, like the vast majority of things that we watch and enjoy are not planned out, you know, like nowadays, <laughs> TV seasons are, you know, a lot of them are, are written, you know, all the scripts are written before they start filming, like that's different. But I mean, you know, the this the, the whole series isn't planned out or like all the they're still taking advantage of things that they see. You I have mean, to um, improvise a little bit. You have yeah. you have an outline, but when you find that, oh, this per- person's really good as this character, we need to have more of said character. And you need to kind of just have a backup. A lot of people don't do a backup. And so yeah. when a character leaves, then it's like, well, our show's kind of dying because it's just not the same umph. Yeah, I mean, I think a combination of of taking advantage of, you know, spontaneous things that happen, but also keeping track of continuity is probably the best. Oh, yeah, you need, you know, the X-Files didn't really keep, you know, they didn't keep a show. You know, I don't think everything needs to be planned out. In fact, I think that that's probably a bad thing. But I think that, you know, as you're going you know, keeping keeping that that's what they did on. That's how Vince Gilligan, I think, learned from from the experience and to mm-hmm. going towards breaking bad was he didn't have everything planned out for five seasons. Not, not at no. all, but they kept tremendous track of the continuity to make sure everything would line up, you know, in the end. So like, I think that's what, it's you know, pretty the, much the whoever wins the writer's it. room as so many yeah. people want to give just one or five people a credit. And it's like, there's all these other guys who, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that, that does annoy me too, as well. I usually point out, cause a lot of people will say like, well, Vince, you know, yeah. You know, same thing like Vin, Vince Gilligan. Or he only wrote one dog. episode. He wasn't there. Are a lot of, like, yes, he was. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of great writers that um, contributed to breaking bad, especially better call Saul. Like 
uh, Vince Gilligan wasn't even as as involved in that one. But um, yeah. Uh, so you know, you got to give credit to 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 everybody. Well, actually, I didn't know, you know? that, but. That makes sense. Oh yeah, he yeah he, he uh, left. Uh, yeah, Peter Gould was the um, the main guy, the, the EP on that. Yeah, for for most of it, and and Vince, I think, left for a couple of seasons. He came back for the final final season, but yeah, he he mm-hmm. just wasn't as as involved with um, uh, Breaking. You know, Breaking Bad was more of his his personal baby. But I mean, even right. with Breaking Bad, that was a writers' room. Everybody together broke the episodes, and then you know it's very different than X Files, where everybody broke and wrote their own episode. You know, and then and, you know, like Chris Carter or somebody else would rewrite the scripts. But you know, it's very, you know, the the way the X Files writer room was very different than how um, writers' rooms are now, where like all the writers <laughs> sit together, they break down every single scene, and then they assign who's going to write the specific script. You know, and the way we did it for our virtual uh, season, we we did it the old fashioned way where, you know, we did talk together about our ideas and stuff. But like I mainly I did my episodes and the other writers did their episodes and, um, you know, it all gelled in the in the end. But I mean, we we did it because the other writers were mainly working on like the standalone episodes anyway. So <laughs> they, um, you know, I mean, when you have a show that's based around standalones, it's a lot easier to have writers who can just do specific things versus a show that's serialized. Obviously, you need to have all the writers together, you know, planning everything out. But it just depends on sort of what kind of series you're doing. Totally. Um, fortunately, most of it gelled for the most part. Um, and it helped that they would bring back some of the same filmmakers so they could at least deliver the same tone and shots, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely, and that was an, that's another thing. You know, people started paying attention to who was directing the show. I mean, Sometimes Kim you don't remember Rob Bowman. Else. You just remember um, the villain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and it, it's a crime that Rob Bowman did not go on to be a big Hollywood film director because uh, he criminal. he is an amazing director. I mean, and and uh, you know, I mean, he got to do the movies, so that was cool. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, he he should have gotten to do uh more more than just TV, more movies yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh because he is a great movie eye but i mean obviously kim manners david nutter um rest in um, peace kim yeah yeah so they uh you know again and i think i think with everybody i mean people you know people know who mark snow is who know who, you know what other tv show do you know who does the music you know for the show like but people but because the music for the x-files stood out so much people know like who the composer is and i think mm-hmm. you know again it's just because every you know the x-files uh, it's there's not one answer to why it's great i mean it's it's a bunch of different things working together and they just all happen everything just happened to sync up and <laughs> and work for the show and it's just you know it's a it's a once in a lifetime sort of thing that that happens but um one of the other villains i i wanted to bring up was um the uh um roach from paper hearts he's the like child killer that's in the oh, episode yeah, John Le- John played Le- by roach. tom yeah. noonan he's mm-hmm. he's, yeah, he's tom noonan too. is absolutely yeah. creepy as hell in that episode and he is he yeah, plays i think the, he has a big body count they mentioned he's killed like it, hundreds yeah I mean, you can't really get worse than a more evil than you know a child killer, and he just has absolutely no remorse or no you know. So in in that episode, I'm glad I, you I, just, I was thinking of bringing him up. 
Um, yeah, no, he he's absolutely one of my favorite performances and and uh, in the show as well. And I think that episode that episode is really well beloved, but I don't know if his particular part in it is is as um, so I think he he is an actor and that character are a bit maybe underrated or underappreciated compared to some of the others. Him and Oral um, Petey, played by Billy Drago, are kind of uh, the voodoo guy. Yeah, uh, Thief was another one that I, I kind of had on my list here. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's just that's an interesting. I think people had left the show by then or they just yeah. weren't paying as much attention. But that's just it. It's like they ca- I'm okay with if they didn't put as much attention into the episode because the villain was just so kick-ass. Yeah, and he, I know with that episode, they wanted to have a villain that sort of had a, you know, that had a a point and that, you know, his, the modern medicine or whatever killed his daughter. So he was, you know, uh, using his, uh, you know, his magic abilities to uh, take, take revenge. All these guys. And yeah, so I think (laughs) that he, you know, he is a bit, a little bit more of a sympathetic edge to to him another one i wanted to bring up was virgil Encanto from the episode too shy and he is he's um he's like the fat vampire is a, that's kind of what okay, people call him yeah but yeah. he he is i mean he's a mutant like tombs and that's he's doing his he's Hart. doing his yeah. uh you know again he's living his biology but he also he lures his victims by romancing them and yeah making these you know vulnerable women you know, feel like he loves them. And that's a very, like, has that's like a very sick and twisted. Yeah. And, um, you know, Scully gets a great scene with him at the end of the episode where, you know, she tells him that he's trash. But it's, uh, you know, he's he's kind of, he, he's he's a sort of an underrated villain, I would say, because he is manipulating people emotionally. I'm glad you thought of him. I mainly remember the actor, but yeah, he, he did have a name. And it was just cool because just the way he's just buttoning his suit, he's just no troubles, just brewing. <laughs> right him and rob roberts is interesting it's the deformed uh killer he, he loves to eat brains yeah um i'll bring up somebody from the revival since we're talking about eating people um barbara <laughs> beaumont barbara beaumont from the uh second to last episode of the show uh nothing lasts forever she's a, a sort of a van- I guess a vampire but they're eating people to stay young and uh, she's like a failed tv actress oh, yeah. but she's she wants to stay young yeah she's played to perfection by um fiona vroom i think is the actress's name i, I um that yeah name. she's she's really uh she's really good i think um, i do remember that yeah that, that I, wanted episode... to go, I wanted to get somebody from the revival in there uh but uh yeah, him think... and the the guy from flight of the concords who was like the guy who morphed into like a werewolf was kind of funny <laughs> he was a con oh, oh right um what's his but yeah beaumont uh, yeah didn't get enough love because i guess everyone was so distracted by the main arc of will molder <laughs> their kid and right that along yeah. with the drones were just kind of out there but they can be appreciated i don't know about the drones but you can definitely appreciate yeah the, yeah the van- i don't yeah I don't, it's not one of my favorite episodes but her performance in it is is really good she's um she stood out and that one and she and, just um, you you bought into it it's like yeah i'm an actress who wants to you know get my looks back yeah. by feeding on this blood that <laughs> unusual agenda that works for her it makes you wonder half the time about these characters biological you know origins and everything yeah. and if you're going to talk you know the the return uh i found it interesting how you know you talked about the Peacock family earlier, how Karen Connaval, you know, returned a few different times. And I remember one, she yeah. played this one crazy gal who was like flinging feces matter at 
in the ward. Right. Well, she plays uh, four different characters in that episode because she plays twin, like a male and oh, female that's right. twin, yeah. but they're also they're crazy and have like a, a, a dual. <laughs> both have dual personalities. Yeah, that was a really that was a really great episode of of the revival. A thousand percent. Um, um but, but I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I'm... she's amazing. I think. I mean, obviously, people loved her from as as Mrs. Peacock, but they didn't really know who the actress was until she did that in the uh, the episodes called Plus One. She's still an underrated um, Canadian gal. She's been on she, stuff like yeah. Continuum. She, I think, the only yeah, she shows she's, up a lot. She's, she's in a hysterical Snowpiercer. Yeah, Snowpiercer is she's good on, but she's in a hysterical Psych episode ironically also set in like a psych war or vacation place yeah. or some shit like that <laughs> and, yeah and she seems like a really sweet person it's like in any in interview she's like done. many of these canadian she's... guys is just like they they've been working for years and they're okay if it gets to their sixth stage of their career and they're finally going to a convention and recognized by audiences. yeah and she uh i think she's gonna be at the i mentioned the x-files museum but i think she's gonna be at the summer fan event that oh, they sweet. i think they have announced that um, I think she was the first to guess they announced. So nice. yes. Yeah, so, oh, what what do you think of the beggar man? Beggar man who was played by that. Um, oh, oh, um, you know, actor. I do. I. <laughs> it's another episode, episode again. <laughs> again, we're talking. We're talking John Scheiben episodes, which you can love or hate, but. I recall that it episode, being awkward, it's, but it's not. It's good. not good, but I enjoy it. <laughs> it, 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 it has like this really be b movie horror aspect that's kind of why i liked it it was and yes i mean obviously you got this uh (laughs) the beggar on the squeaky cart uh going around yeah that's that's deep roy the act the actor um oh there's some episodes i really remember the commercials more than i remember the episodes and don't get me wrong i'll go through them again uh i well one episode like i think one of the freakiest promos i saw and i hadn't even seen the episode was the bark creatures one Oh yeah, actually, um, uh, yeah, I had some. Uh, uh, I told my so friends. Creepy. I told my friends I was going on this podcast, and I was like, you know, what are your favorite villains or whatever? And yeah, somebody wanted me to bring bring those up because they're... just the whole idea is just creatures blend in with a bark of a tree. Well, and they and again, they're they're like monsters, but they sort of have a point. Like humans are encroaching on their habitat, destroying the environment. So they're they're trying you to don't know get until them you're out dead. of it. Yeah, I mean. Uh, so I think those are um, those are interesting. I think the uh, the the cult from the episode Roadrunners. I don't know if you remember that one, but they're it's in season eight. And... Is that the one with Michael Massey from The Crew? Um, he's playing like a Jim Jones type. No, no, cult. no. That's uh, that's the field where I died in season oh, okay. five. Yeah, but, um, that's another one where people. Roadrunners in season eight. That's uh, it's an episode where uh, Scully goes to this really desolate town, and uh, there's this cult that's trying to put this um, uh, like banana slug type creature inside oh, her. Yes, <laughs> yes, and that's um, and uh, yeah, that, that's a that's a really. I know great I saw it, but I don't really yeah, remember. It, but the cult the cult is is extremely creepy the idea that they're they're like religious fanatics and they think this creature is is like the second coming of christ and they're they're putting it in human they don't so many killing. of those especially on yeah the uh, it, uh, <laughs> so that one's uh those those are some interesting people um but um let me see. <laughs> and uh some of these episodes we've season... brought up have been like reviewed as some of the worst and it's just like i don't know what they're talking about it's not something i regret watching yeah, but yeah i think yeah it's i mean in, you know some uh some ep- well i mean some episodes 
maybe they weren't great, but like you're saying, like the 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 squeaky cart guy, that's a memorable episode, even if it wasn't that good. So I mean, you'll take it over then, any overrated movie franchise where yeah. people have spoiled. And then if you're it. basically if you're past season five, you're going to have a pool of fans who don't like something because that was like the point at which people started not liking you know certain corners of the fandom sort of not liking oh, yeah. the show after the after the first movie so i've even done it with criminal minds where i'm if like in, okay i don't remember the villain as much as the show goes on but the way better season compared to those two lesser seasons you know? <laughs> like, yeah yeah no i mean i i i like season six okay i mean i think it has some issues season seven i'm not big on but i think like season eight is sort of rejuvenation for the show when you have doggett come in and and it has the mythology sort of bigger <laughs> yeah and then well, they also, um, they were in L.A., but they sort of went back to darker episodes instead of if the, the someone's more comedic gonna shit episodes the fan, they done, It better so. just not leave too huge a stink, you know, like, or it better be just yeah. minor where it's a big <laughs> nitpick. Like, I mean, we're talking Star Trek. Yeah. But it better not be like where, you know, Troy and Worf randomly fall in love and there was no foreshadowing of that, you know. Right, yeah, that's that's sort it's of just odd. weird. Right. And, <laughs> but the rest of the episodes but. are so good, you don't really think about that subplot that doesn't work, you know. And, um, and the reason well, the thing is, just... people think, you know, again, that's another one. People have this sort of vision about like the stuff they grew up with as kids, or the stuff they saw that turned them into fans, where they like they won't go back and they won't sort of critically review that in yeah, the same way that they do stuff once, now so i'm like yeah. you can't tell me that any current star trek show isn't better than season one of next generation which is like one of the worst I've, seasons I've of tv too. you know yeah i mean, I mean like you can't yeah. tell me that you know and I, and I don't like all the new star trek stuff either i'm just saying that all of that stuff is higher quality than a lot I've of actually crap gotten into like that we Discovery. watched when we were young. Yeah, so. I mean, I've liked Discovery better as it's gone along, and I've seen other people, they just will not watch it. I'm like, well, I mean, that's okay if you don't like it, but I mean, every, all of them have a rough first season. Even, you know, Voyager is considered to be probably one of the best that has a good first season, but, you know, uh, it, not every show is going to be firing all cylinders, but I mean, there's a reason we all come back to it is because there's so much to just take away. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, Star Trek was you know infamous for that. Where like the first season was going to be bad, and you had to wait to. But I mean, imagine like that wouldn't even happen today. Like if you had a first yeah, season that's bad, you wouldn't get a season two. But like that was back in the days when you could you could have time to build an audience, and you could have time to like your whole first season basically sucked, and you know by god you shouldn't get another one but then you know next generation comes back season two and like the first episode the first episode is instantly better you know we didn't uh, have so, to eject you know or switch right. off with the remote we, we yeah had people the, just wouldn't wouldn't give uh anything that much time or certainly networks would you know netflix and stuff certainly wouldn't give anything netflix won't even renew stuff that's good in its first season so yeah um so it's amazing it's amazing like ratings don't really mean anything or people have already given up looking at rotten tomatoes yeah yeah the, the 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 streamer model the subscriber model is really just not working out for content long term content but that's another podcast probably <laughs> it's a whole nother discussion we could probably do on that but um i'll bring up somebody from season nine since it gets crapped on but uh lukish who is the he's a serial killer that goes back and forth between dimensions so he can't be tracked i think so and yeah. um he's in the episode 4d he's actually uh he, he's a pretty 
pretty particularly creepy uh, serial killer as well. Skills, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So um, that's a really good episode. That's again, that's uh, 4D is one. If that had been Mulder and Scully and not Doggett and Reyes, that would probably be considered a top classic episode of the show. But again, people weren't willing to give it that, um, you know chance because it wasn't their favorite people there but you know you know there's some mistakes with me because i i i am somebody who literally watched the show from its u.s premiere like you know uh, september September 1993 i'm like if i can give these new characters a chance in season eight and nine you you should have been able to do that too but the phantom just like most phantoms get they get so toxic it It doesn't have to win an emmy (laughs) right yeah it's it's depressing (laughs) (laughs) so i actually started my own uh x-files facebook group on uh uh, well on facebook because um nice i got i got sort of it's called we still want to believe anybody wants to join it but um uh, i just got tired of a lot of the toxic groups that you know, we're like all they would post is pictures of Jillian Anderson. I'm like, I love Jillian Anderson too, but if we can talk about the show, it's not just mm-hmm. it's not just she's hot. So you know, there was that, um, or like you say, people want to have a closed minded chat, or uh, yeah, and it's just always yeah, just annoying because yeah. you're just like, can you please stop? <laughs> so you know, if you're cool, you can join that group. We can have some Enjoying some good now. discussions. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, so uh i think that was yep. i did um kim uh the episode chimera from season seven has a sort of interesting villain it's a it's a woman she's like a housewife she's in a, in a happy marriage and she ends up being like the sort of jekyll and hyde again? monster chimera i think it's how you uh, um and it's it's a it's a late season seven episode but uh, okay. it, it's not one of the best but it it has an interesting villain because she's a a woman who's sort of like this this housewife and she uh like her husband is stepping out on her and she's just like in this unhappy place and oh, her, yeah, sure. men, her her mental instability i guess takes physical form and she ends up becoming she has like multiple personalities and like one mm-hmm. of those personalities it's sort of like, like we saw the film later uh the m night Shyamalan did split where the guy has <laughs> personalities and one of them's a monster Give well, some this, ideas here. again, X Files. <laughs> this episode kind of did that first, um, but I, I think it's sort of interesting because it. She's sort of. Uh, I wouldn't say she's a Karen, but I mean she's just sort of <laughs> like, you know, it, it kind of gets towards that, um, you know, a, a little bit again, presage that that thing. But I, I think that uh, you know the idea that she she can she's becoming a literal monster um, uh, because of this uh, stuff is is sort of interesting. But again, oh, that's what, that's another episode. Says we should talk about episodes that people don't talk about all the time. It makes you uh, wonder. That, that's that's yeah, one. you brought up Shyamalan. How many of the, him or the Blumhouse guys would probably fare better if they did a Twilight Zone or X Files <laughs> where there's a little yeah, less control I mean, and they just do the eye catching, you know, opening. You know, yeah, because um, we're just so guys, corporate nowadays. Yeah. Some guys I know that uh, um, are definitely X Files fans. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're these filmmakers. Um, I think Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson. I want to say, yeah, yeah that you know, you know them, yeah, traction. Yeah, they. The... Uh, I've really enjoyed their films, and like they're they're really unique. They've put together just like, about any movie their own, show. Their could own... definitely be a good Twilight Zone X Files yeah. episode, and so I, in a way, I feel like this show pays tribute to those same kinds of indie filmmakers. I mean whether yeah, it's uh, obscure video nasty like dead and buried or 
uh, Nightmare on Elm Street type knockoff movies that always had those kind of a, a feel. Where yeah, be... I mean, and for sure, you know, there are episodes of the X Files that are like homages to movies and stuff that came oh, like you know times. ice is you know basically the thing and you know mm-hmm. um uh i mean totally beyond the sea is kind of like silence of the lambs i mean it's you know it's a similar setup um, oh, that's why they made you know. they wanted a silence of the lambs uh seven yeah show that happened at um mm-hmm. uh, and i mean if i do have to throw out some millennium villains here i, I gotta bring up lucy butler oh sure who's okay. the shape-shifting demon who just continually will just play mind games with frank <laughs> right <laughs> oh, absolutely. he just kind of cancels her out he just stops thinking about her as oh yeah sarah and and yeah sarah jane Merriman, the actress she's amazing another great I, Canadian I mean, she's, actress she's uh, been you know <laughs> and you know that was back when you know you didn't really see uh as many women in prominent roles or like villain roles so it was sort of mm-hmm. unique to have sort of well, you know, one of the main villains of that show be um, a woman or like whatever she was, she was a demon or something. But right. she, yeah, she's a she was yeah they she's a great, great part of that show. Yeah. Very rarely, I think only past season one, you know, did they ever have anything that was just like, okay, I'm a sucker for this or a vampire and I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> right. They, they went beyond that and gave them all, like you say, just strong characters who you know we know what their wants and needs are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah but yeah i had to bring up michael massey because you know just all those cult leaders jim jones inspired villains were great um and uh you i mean obviously you know terry o'quinn's uh you know shadowy government guy on millennium was good because you know the dude has made a living just playing shitheads you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like Christ, uh, yeah the I mean... same kind of arc as peter watts he's just the whole i answer to these guys and i do seriously think you know the stepfather actor had had it gone on longer he might have uh you know uh, they might have connected him to cancer man because i mean they did it with jose chong which is a standard for scientology you know made appearances on both right yeah. shows you yeah know, mentioned think... on x files and then he actually appears on millennium actually you know convincing people to kill themselves or do murder suicides <laughs> yeah i think if millennium had gone on they probably would have done some more you know i mean i i think they were wise to not do that at first even though it would you know even though i mean or it, would have it probably would have been good for ratings like creatively i think to not have you know Mulder and scully in the first episode of millennium or something oh totally i i, I have seen not people good, but yeah, I, I've seen people who, you know, are X-Files heads, but have never seen those other ones because they just were never, the DVDs sold out pretty fast or, and mm-hmm. FX, I, uh, my pal Erica uh, chimed in and told me how she, uh, you know, would see it, but it was like morning, morning hours of, you know, FX. It's kind of like yeah. Trilogy of Terror. They were afraid to re-air it. It's so freaky. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wearing that line between PG-13 and R. Yeah definitely i mean they you know again they they sort of got away with it by being visions and like they could do really quick flashes of the horror so it didn't now you know we can't go a single network show without seeing someone get shot in the head or <laughs> right yeah it's, it's all over the place now it's much much more people are much more desensitized to that uh stuff yeah now. some of them it's interesting is like it this 
uh i'm just like this could be a pg-13 movie because it's medical violence but then there's other ones like yeah no this is this is too much <laughs> if it wasn't, <laughs> if it wasn't yeah. showing at midnight and it's the same thing with a video game right is <laughs> how the graphics are done determine whether it gets a t or an m rating <laughs> but like you say I, I like how you did illusions is like there are some episodes it's like you don't have to even if they had said oh it's not a knockoff it's like yeah well it's pretty inspired <laughs> yeah i mean for sure i mean because they're trying to put out they were putting out i mean it's really insane what to think how much they put out because they those early seasons were like 24 season two is 25 episodes long the later ones are like more of what was the standard 22 but i mean nowadays they make 10 episodes they make you know if that and just they were doing that every year i mean it's kind of like the first two seasons of the x-files is as many episodes as a show now gets in its entire life and that's just kind yes. of crazy to think how much they and 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 so much of it was good i mean like so i mean yeah there are crappy episodes there are some filler episodes but the the vast majority of the shows are of the x-files episodes are at least enjoyable and then obviously there are many of them that are very good and great so it's, yeah it, that's why it's still another reason it still stands up because many, the quality is so high i wish there was kind of more villains on like the lone gunman but in all fairness that's more of a you know comedic you know heist spy show you know yeah um i wish they could you know i think it was a wise i think having more sletcher on at the end was a wise choice to sort of i think they were gonna make him the sort of main villain of the show but of course it didn't go on from there but yeah i think (laughs) the lone gunman to me it was it was a little too comedic i think that true you know they just leaned very heavily into that and it was also just wasn't really funny comedy so that was the problem but um yeah it's kind of more uh, i think goofy in just yeah essence, but not ha, i think ha, they, ha. they were i see what they were going for i mean i i remember reading an article that was like oh this is kind of in the mold of f troop or like some of those classic <laughs> shows that are like goofball show but i'm like yeah but but you know i think they could have been I think towards the end of the Lone Gunman series, they they started to get it a little right where it was. Like it was still kind of lighthearted, but it was a little bit more serious, and it wasn't as goofy. I think they started to, you know, of course, just by then it was too late. But you know, yeah. No. Uh, also, it just you know the the you know the time to do a, a spinoff of the X Files would have been like season five at like the height of the show like that's when that's when they you know they, mm-hmm. doing it in season eight when you already had people questioning whether they still even wanted to watch it um, <laughs> I think you know um, Fox just sort of they approved that spinoff because they they didn't know if X Files would would continue because at that point right. it was up in the air with Duchovny and and all that but um you know <laughs> it's just one of the things that happens you know that if people are much more willing now to like give things a specific shelf life like okay this yeah. is gonna be a final season and, and like we, that just didn't happen that didn't happen back in the 90s it's like you did it until it absolutely the horse was absolutely beaten and then you got canceled because of low ratings like that's just how proven it that's how it happened and we've proven it wrong time and again how everyone thinks oh you can't transition is like no some stuff really does uh you know uh work better in a different you know dilemma a different predicament uh, versus this and yeah. that and uh, i think 
even just so many movies going to TV and then vice versa, TV shows become movie franchises. You know, it 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 serves everybody. And and uh, I mean, Ash versus Evil Dead was a good example. Uh, so many fans want more. I still want more. <laughs> and mm-hmm, at the same time, right. it just it just wasn't meant to be, unfortunately, because yeah. the network guys just had a BS excuse. They had like different vice presidents of programming. I hate that too, where it's like they don't want anything that you know the, the yeah. last uh administration had. And it's like you, you don't have to have to <laughs> be political like presidential stuff. We gotta clean out our cabinet and fire everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's just awful. Like yeah, it was like the stuff that happened with broken, uh, Warner Brothers, Discovery, and then like the DC so, yeah, it's just awful that all this stuff's getting wiped away because just because new people are coming in and you know I, I think it's you know i think they're gonna find out that that's not <laughs> that's not gonna work for them but oh, don't um worry. yeah no i mean with the x-files you know like a, a part of me is always gonna want more because of course i'm gonna miss it and i i do miss it but i mean at the at the end i'm like they had 25 you know total total of 25 years and and you know I mean, at some point you gotta, you gotta leave it. And, you know, I was fine with, with how it ended. I know a lot of fans aren't, but I mean, I think it, it, it made, it made sense for the characters to give them like some sort of happiness again. Like if they have another baby, a chance for life and, and just to leave, leave, leave it there. Like we don't need to bring them back and then they're in trouble again. And like, <laughs> like you know, like if the x is going to come back at any point, uh, I think you know it's going to be a reboot or it's going to be a, somebody a fresh take on it, you know. And I think that's totally. people need to give that, you know, and, and people need to understand like, okay, maybe it's not for you, maybe it's for a new generation of fans that will rise up, you know, for it. Like, yeah. you know, like old fans are always like, it needs to be for me. Like, you know, like no, it doesn't. It doesn't. You had your show. Like, we had our show that we'll love and we'll love it forever. But that doesn't mean the X-Files can't come back at some point and be a show that, you know, uh, people that are the age that I was or, or you were when we started watching it and they'll, they'll fall in love with it. And, and the, like, that can be a great thing. You know, people just, they, they can't get that in their, their heads and separate those things that like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be for the original fans. It can be for right. a new, and like, that's, if I were to suggest to anybody, if somebody like, what should they do with the X-Files? I would be like, it should, I would wait a few more years, but I would be like, then you should redo it. And you should, you should uh, bring in uh, fresh perspectives and gear it towards an audience they of today. They kind of did that with those agents and even Mimi Rogers characters, but it's like oh, they just didn't yeah. get any fanfare. So they just. Oh, right. Are you talking about the um, Miller and Einstein? That, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, <laughs> I don't know what they were doing with that. That wasn't going to work, but um i i think yeah it just needs to be a friend i mean i think they can even at some point just recast Mulder and scully i mean you know <laughs> it worked for star trek i mean it worked nobody ever would have thought that they'd be able to recast kirk and spock but they did it and it and it worked yeah, and it made the, it made star trek popular again like <laughs> nobody could believe that after enterprise just died it's weird and, how which characters you know, are okay with the different versions and other times like now i can't touch it like i don't for instance yeah i mean like right it. now i can't imagine it but i mean in a few more years you know i mean you know uh, I, I think you should just, I'll, I'll go with your other one maybe just different agents yeah i mean yeah. Or it could it could be that too i mean it doesn't by you know, Frank black or I, <laughs> right i mean yeah and i 
I would love. I know uh, Chris Carter has talked about. There's gonna uh, somebody's writing a a book that's like a continuation of the show right now. So that that'll be interesting if we that see that. Sense. And then and he's, so many people have done comics and everything. Yeah, and, so and he's uh, and he's himself. I think he's he's trying to pitch a, a revival or something of Millennium, which would be really cool. I mean, I don't think Lance can be like. I mean, I would love Lance to be in it, but I think like to me. It needs to be done. new. <laughs> it needs to be new agents. You know, it needs to be like his daughter or some somebody who's the lead. And then Frank is yeah. like, you know, an, an advisor. You know, he because he's eighty years. Lance Henriksen's eighty years old. I mean, he's amazing. There you go. He's, he's, he's eighty years old. He can't in hiding and they, right when when they find him, the show ends. Like yeah, I mean, <laughs> the search you know, for Frank Black. However you want to do it, yeah. but yeah, I think <laughs> it would be it would be interesting because certainly the stuff with <laughs> Millennium. You know, it's like things. Some of the things like Millennium feels more appropriate to today than it did in the late 90s because i mean in the late in late 90s obviously there was a lot of anxiety about the millennium but um the year 2000 and stuff but uh and then of course that the world did change like in in 2001 with with 9 11 and then since then it's like been one disaster after another (laughs) right right yeah there you go and then and then the x-files revival kind of predicted covid to some extent you know they really Um, did and they didn't yeah it's just they've had ideas because it's kind of funny because like a lot of the conspiracy weirdos and stuff out there are they're going back and they're they're watching those episodes now and they're like oh Mm -hmm. this is you know this is predictive programming you know and they're or whatever but um so that's just that's kind of amusing but um <laughs> i think uh, but i think that just speaks to how the show is it always you know chris carter had his ear to the ground and he 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 hears stuff and he knows people and he he uh knows you know people like you know he'd ask like what are what are the things that keep you up at night and people would be like well, like <laughs> uh, the a, a pandemic you know that's like something that although there have been there were movies and stuff like um what was the contagion that had been done uh exploring right, that as well before, but yeah. yeah and i mean yeah and i mean and the, and a lot of the things they called you know very well like the idea that you would have people like uh you know alex jones or something say, you know hawking <laughs> Mir- yeah you know, that was a good cure you know having the right. guy be on there as the conspiracy theorist i mean and yeah just so, about every other show has some social commentary it's just so annoying when you encounter people i don't like social commentary i'm like well it's going to be in there regardless of how evident it is regardless so right i mean go somewhere else if you yeah. want mindless entertainment <laughs> yeah and the, th- and the thing is uh, about those people is that they think that the stuff they grew up with didn't have that stuff but it did they just didn't realize yeah. it because they were kids you know, they didn't realize when they because now they watch stuff as adults and like, oh, I don't like it because it's political. I'm like, well, no, but it's the same as when you were a it's kid. You just didn't thing, get it. You get it now, though. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, people are silly. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> that's that's my takeaway. But um, no, I think, again, that's something great about the X-Files is just it, uh, it predicted so much. Just, you know, uh, it I know it introduced me to TV. a lot of things that I didn't know. You know, I learned a lot of words because of episode titles that were, you know, I, I, were, I, learned, you're, you're Latin, the first. I learned Latin words because of the X-Files. I learned about things in history that you don't hear in school, like Operation Paperclip. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of these, the more nefarious things that um, have been done in history that you just don't okay. hear about. when That in Battlestar Galactica kind of made me just do the whole, just, you know, pay more intensely, you know, 
intense intense attention yeah i call it no um, not just attention intense yeah actually one of my uh (laughs) friends um yeah she like she's starting to watch battlestar galactic and i told her i'm like (laughs) uh, you know she's she's like 10 years younger than me but so i don't know how much she remembers of the the time when that show was on but i said you should keep in mind watching that like what was going on in politics during that era like when george bush was president the war on terrorism is going on because all of that stuff who saw that like so i actually asked some uh family uh the other day it's like did you ever get the 9-11 illusions from battlestar and enterprise because you know i i I looked up i kind of got that illusion anytime anyone would pull a patriotic card right and everyone else was like, no, no, I just didn't think of it. A lot of stuff really just flies over people's heads. I mean, they just seem like to that. think it, there has to be a flag waved or exactly like they plays like, and you know, it has yeah. to be so- or something campy or unintentionally over the top. And I'm like, yeah, like, like the Rambo, the, like the vast majority of what we watch is like is reflecting popular <laughs> times in some way, but yeah, they 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 miss that. But I'm like, if you uh, and I, I didn't watch Battlestar Galactica when I when I was on, but I, I watched it when it was uh, repeated a few years later, like on BBC America or something. Sweet. But I mean, I certainly, but I, I watched it and I was and and certainly I saw all the things that you know. Uh, I'm like, wow, this is this is amazing, and they were doing this, you know, during a time when you know people really didn't want you to talk about certain things, but um if it's in a yeah, sci-fi was, or a crime yeah. template then it's all but good. that's always been the great thing about sci-fi right is that sci-fi mm-hmm. allows you to talk about things in the in ways in that horror, people don't notice. yeah or in horror is another one allows you to talk about political themes and social themes in imagine ways that people scully, won't object to yeah uh, can you imagine scully and Mulder in like say the universe of something like you know uh the allusion to slavery and Candyman or religious terror like hellraiser yeah. <laughs> even alien and predator is hell mm-hmm. <laughs> but i'm but yeah, yeah Star just... and even planet of the apes i have to tell people is like that's not just a mindless you know killing yeah. cyborgs <laughs> or uh i'm like uh, that is a long tradition in sci-fi is to be allegorical and to be going back to you know it's the old well, trick on tv book. twilight zone but in books way before that with hg wells and all the you know, Jules Verne and all even those with people. podcasts, I think people are now appreciating radio dramas now. Yeah, that I mean, years ago absolutely. they thought, "Oh, my great granddad listens to that; it drives me crazy." <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, just, I mean, actually, they don't remember because as kids you don't know what's going on, so you don't realize that the stuff you're watching has meaning and subtext. Mm-hmm. And then you watch it as an adult, and then I guess some people get that it does now, and then some people are like, "No, the you know the things I watched were political free, and everything's political now." Like, no, you're or you're because just, I couldn't figure out just don't get it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, They're like, well, I mean, you think about how um, imagine aliens coming out now, where you have Ripley, oh, yeah. where you have a strong female lead. Like now, it would be seen by all these people as these toxic guys. Um, yeah, these toxic guys. Now it would be seen as oh, this is woke because they're putting in a strong female I'm like, lost the track 19, of how many in the 1980s nobody cared other than this was an awesome character that kicked ass that's and I you think thought the, the same thing. thing and your only reason you think differently now is because a couple of morons on youtube tell you to think differently mm-hmm. and you know so again another tangent and I, I get tired of the whole <laughs> yeah i don't see anyone complaining about scully or how different right. exactly that would be another it, it's just that would like, be another thing you know it's like people like you say don't want 
enough development or they want it to be simple and it's like and then they complain if it's formulaic i'm like well because you asked that to be simple and or not serialized right. uh, but yeah it is annoying how there there are just so many is like I, i've been losing track of toxic guys who go i'm a feminist i'm like clearly not <laughs> you know <laughs> if you if you had an actual valid reason like i don't i just don't care for the actor i don't find them believable i'm like well okay so there, good timmy learned how to use his words you know <laughs> instead of <laughs> jackass exactly. saying it's like then just say that yeah. don't say it's the worst thing since you know i don't know whatever <laughs> absolutely yeah it's it's ridiculous but you know it just again like we said at the beginning all these voices get amplified because of social media these guys and... are aliens to us <laughs> yeah pretty they might as well be you know the aliens are gonna take them and take them somewhere else That's, uh, that would be great, but... <laughs> all right and to close out the villains of the x-files saga i once again have another wonderful guest i have nicole niece from the x-files fanfic exchange on twitter welcome <laughs> hello thank you for having me absolutely and uh so much like many of the various movies and shows we had reopened it and we were just like you know all of us want to talk about different things, but not all of us are going to get on the same panel. So it's like <laughs> most everybody wanted to do Alien, Predator, Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, Breaking Bad, Star Trek. I was like, well, but let's angle the conversation a bit. So it's not just five different, you know, season reviews of something. Or it's like, yeah, 20 different franchises at once. Right. It's like, okay, well, let's examine what I know we could talk about. What are the best moments? What are the best villains? And we're doing the latter, at least with this case, because uh, we already went with the best moments. We had the X-Files fan retrospect duo on and as well as a bunch of others. And that was pretty much, hey, we, we got a bunch of moments to pick from, from Scully and Mulder's various shocks to the submarine episode to all other mm -hmm. sorts of uh gripping moments. So I was just like, yeah, but so if there's anything that makes for a compelling narrative, is definitely a good villain. And there were out of the many franchises we were doing, I was just like, eh, you know, I don't think they have bad villains, but I can't name all of them. But this this was no exception. I was like, yeah, the, this. We, we we can name a bunch from here and uh, such I, variety too yeah uh, even if you can't name the episode even if there's like three different ones with a undead creature or bees attacking or <laughs> a super enhanced serial killer or uh, even just them running around the countryside looking for a clue that doesn't really have an answer <laughs> you know there's yeah there's all kinds of stuff here um so was this religious viewing for you, I take it? Hence. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's interesting how even people who weren't really into even just stuff about aliens or federal agent procedurals, it's like even they were able to get into it. It's just like the rare oyster. Somehow it spoke so many different languages. <laughs> yeah, he really top tapped into so many different genres that were so appealing like who would have thought the romance aspect of it at the beginning would have had such a long lasting just rip on everyone a, a giant kind of a chokehold almost <laughs> people yeah. were insufferable and could not describe it um it's like even if you don't want this romance it will still be here yeah it, it'll be in the background reminding you it's something for everybody <laughs> yeah uh I've had friends and even my sister who refused to even get into this show 
but even they would give it like five more chances because that's just how unusual a show it is. It kind of gets your attention to where you just can't look away. And so it is kind of a funny thing. Emma. I wouldn't say it's a hate watch, but uh, you know, it, even if there was someone of that magnitude it is like, they're still going to check it out. Cause they're just, I, it was kind of WTF ish in moments without trying to be just flat out, like gratuitously gross or uh, before even memes were a thing. It's just funny how it just got fathomed up. And yeah, it's so funny how some people like, oh, I waited like five seasons for my couple to get together, blah, blah, blah. But people who are watching the X-Files, quote unquote, only for that, they're like, oh, well, I waited seven and I saw an incestuous family. I saw people's <laughs> guts. Like they had to suffer for the ship they wanted to see. Oh, man. And I actually never realized that was Karen Conneval, who's done so many other no. things. She's been in every other canadian show including continuum she's one of the she was part of the ensemble playing the apes in the new rise of the apes saga but um she's in a hysterical psych episode where they're like at a vacation uh war clinic but uh yeah uh she was on here about like five different times and i never realized oh yeah she was in that first initial shocking episode she was the mom <laughs> a transformative actor that is just amazing yeah, totally. And like every Canadian show, it's going to be a who's who of Supernatural, Stargate, yeah. Highlander, everything. <laughs> Even movies like Cube or Ginger Snaps. There's a few of those cult actors in there. <laughs> yeah, totally. They just constantly are <laughs> popping up. I'm so glad they were getting employed during this time. There were so mm -hmm. many creepy things for them to be in, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh what what are some of your other like if you just had to name at least like five others that just you think they've stayed with fans as long as they have more than just the shocks and how they're written? Why do you think some of them do? The one that stood out to me the most that I find the most compelling is definitely Donnie Faster and from Irresistible in season two and Orison in season seven. He just sticks out so much because you can really see he's he really does something different to Scully. Like Scully is affected by him in ways that he hadn't necessarily before. And that lingers. Like it bothered her so much oh, those, what he does. Yes. Yeah, okay. We we brought him up and because he was another one where people varied on his various appearances, but just the actor yeah. Nick Chinlin was just so compelling in that freaky he he has that interesting thing too with like uh model from pusher and kitsunagari yes he came back and some people really hated his second appearance for both of them or they thought like oh you should have left it in the past or whatever but i personally specifically with donnie faster really thought it was interesting that they brought him back considering they thought quote unquote that season seven or season eight might be their last and then they're trying to wrap up all of these plot lines and to Mulder they look for to Samantha as the reasonable thing that you would want to conclude but then you look to Scully and what was her biggest thing that she hadn't overcome <laughs> yeah, and it, it was just that lingering just fear of possession and you could see it too with the fat sucking monster in too shy like she just really seems to have 
such a fear of men who prey on women and their insecurities or just when they're vulnerable and I mm -hmm. that always stood out to me personally the most oh, but I think my favorite one um that I think is fun and like not existential would be I guess you would call it like fear itself in ex-cops how you never see it it manifests differently for everyone it was just such a cool concept. I kind of wish that it had come back, but it was so much fun to see in that episode where like first it's a werewolf, then it's Freddy Krueger, and then it's like the bee I that's attacking that. the sheriff. <laughs> and all the while we're following Mulder and Scully with the camera and with just trying to figure it out Walker too. Terms of <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. It was just like uh, everyone, it, it was out of all the various spoofs of other shows it kind of it, it's just so wild how everyone was just noticing how yeah the everything from reality shows like cops to uh blair witch project it's just kind of just it kind of needed that it just to just uh make fun of everything <laughs> it was just unsolved mysteries is like it here here's something that really doesn't even matter and at the same time it's making fun of just the absurdity of all these filming styles <laughs> yeah did you ever hear that anecdote about how vince gilligan wanted to make an episode of unsolved mysteries with the x-files like he wanted to hire the no-name actors to play Mulder and scully in a reenactment of one of their cases and then have it like cut to the like talking head where they're like well, I told Mulder that this wouldn't work out or whatever while it's narrated by the guy. That mm -hmm. would have been so funny. Uh, it it would have. Uh, I mean, I still kind of feel like it's in there, even though it, you know, uh, it didn't make it past the development stages. But it, uh, I, I keep just waiting for there to be just a random voiceover or someone who, like, interrupts the whole flow of the chat. <laughs> Yeah, like the rec record scratch or whatever. How did I get myself in this situation? It just is so cool. But that monster, I think for sure, especially the scene with the coroner where she's so anxious about the hantavirus, we see her working herself to death, literally. Yeah, uh, you feel a lot of the sweat and tension in the room instead of, it's never static. And I mean, the filmmakers were always good at that, <laughs> just creating a mood. Yeah. Especially for uh, a show with many different moods. <laughs> I think um, another one of my favorite that also has that kind of um, storytelling change was Hungry in season seven. I think like season seven, episode three. But where it's the monster who really, he doesn't want to eat brains. He's trying to get yes. better. He's And it makes that comparison to diet culture where he's trying not to eat. He's trying to like be normal, quote unquote, but he can't help his urges. But it was just so funny seeing it from the monster's point of view where Mulder is like <laughs> slowly but surely figuring it out and seeing mm -hmm. that from his perspective um that was just funny to me oh yeah and it kind of got we we were kind of noting that earlier how it kind of goes back to a whole hammer horror universal monsters is like hey i'm mm -hmm. i'm bad technically but i don't mean anything by it you know i don't kill with deceit i don't kill with hate i just i gotta eat <laughs>
Yeah, just trying to survive. I did. I did see how uh, director Kim Manners, rest in peace, uh, really dug the actor who played that, uh, Chad Donello. Yeah, noting his subtle, interesting qualities, and that was cool to know because you you really get to you know much like Stargate, I do have to applaud all these guys for making it work, and for episodes in which the leads don't even appear in, like they just did their best to just yeah uh always make you kind of forget after a while because it was just so lampoonish you're like that's right (laughs) where is everyone (laughs) yeah that was a really good one um milagro in season six um with the writer who wants scully's heart quote unquote Uh, he was just fascinating definitely how he's was reading the wrong signals in that prison yeah it's just <laughs> yeah so much brainwashing and for whatever reason that episode kind of reminded me of the one that had tony shabold although you know where he's like using like laser marks to literally wipe people out who he wants revenge on at like a pharmaceutical company <laughs> Yes, and how like he can just walk a little forward, they'll walk backward into the light, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. disappear. Yeah, who would have thought a shadow would have been so scary? But they really that concept paid off in that episode. <laughs> uh, all together, I mean, <laughs> I mean, even people who I know don't like this episode even like it. <laughs> because uh, there's just something about again how the surreal nature of it <laughs> yeah oh but no that that's a good mention because uh it's just you you do kind of feel in prison just like the various characters in that just the way it's shot in the darkness but yeah <laughs> just having the villain just kind of just vanish almost like halloween or terminator <laughs> it's like wait where did they go <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm already freaked out. Um, I I had to bring up. Uh, are you familiar with Jose Chong? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just so wild. It, like that was the first kind of crossover, kind of with the Millennium Verse before they actually brought Frank Black over. But it's so wild because it's just like, yeah, I mean, this guy is a stand-in for kind of Scientology kind of cults who you know thrive on your misgivings and rip you off with you know. Uh, millions of dollars later and what if they were to just inspire people to do like murder suicides it's just like so even more yeah. overwhelming is like jesus i hope not but i can totally see this happening because what better way to just make people think it's right when you use religion to excuse the abuse of anything yeah <laughs> especially if people who are in it it's so insidious to where you can start covering it up like yeah. definitely tapped into one of those like subconscious cultural Not fears of just <laughs> a group of others for sure <laughs> I'm right at home it's all good man <laughs> <laughs> oh uh but yeah all together i mean um it's hard to just kind of describe how they write villains compared to other villains because it just seems like other shows kind of rely on just, you know, the, for better or worse, for the surprise of the famous actor. They they were using all kinds of actors who 
you could have been almost semi knowledgeable of them and you still would be like ah oh, but i remember them from this episode and that i, I want to mm-hmm. even if they didn't give a reason for why they were evil it still left an impression because you're just like I, I i can tell there's something there without feeling cheated yeah and it's always just interesting to see what motive track they're gonna take with it too is it like the town misunderstanding the motives or like placing blame on something innocent is it someone truly evil playing on innocent people they really experimented (laughs) all over yeah Mm -hmm. uh we we mentioned the Michael Massey, you know, the crow fame as one of the Jim Jones type guys, but it was so hard to ring that in because there's just so many other different uh, cult leaders or death cults, so to speak, or cannibalism. It was just like, man, okay, <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah, they really did pull in a lot of cults that then would have some of the like just most like horrific things associated with them the our town had cannibals the signs and wonders had incest like just (laughs) all over the board they were like have we done that horrible taboo yet let's do it (laughs) should we (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man oh uh Altogether, uh, what what have you been establishing lately with uh, the uh, fanfic exchange? What what have you set out to do? Right on. So I wanted to start it to just kind of give people an opportunity to try their hand at fanfiction if they hadn't done it before, especially because a lot of new writers might come onto the scene and maybe not know where to start or they see other people getting a ton of Tumblr prompts. That's not something that they get themselves. Um, So this like kind of almost in a sense, evens the playing field, newer Mm -hmm. authors, older authors are getting experience writing um, for each other. So they get to introduce themselves to one another and then get promoted in a way that's fair and equal. Um, but the structure of it is essentially like Secret Santa, where you'll write, say what you want as a prompt, and then everyone will get switched and you'll end up writing for someone else uh, based around like a central theme. So since it's the 30th anniversary of the X-Files this year, nice. we're doing uh, like seasons or like eras clumps for the themes so like for february it's like the baby agent exchange so all of the proms had to be like season one and season two and we're just going to kind of go through that especially because it'll help people who maybe only write kind of like the romantic peak of season seven per se like now you have to try writing them in season two and like it's a whole (laughs) different tone um, so we're doing that this year, but yeah, that's why I kind of started it and why I promote it is just to kind of give people a fair chance to try fan fiction out for themselves. Very nice. And given a whole love of what a writer's room even is. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, I hope you're able to share, keep sharing a lot of that and uh, keep working with all these lovely people. Awesome. Thank you so much. I hope you get to keep doing your podcast with all the cool themes. Oh, I try. I try. (laughs) (laughs) Follow us.
us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jam.